Welcome to the Divorced and Happy Podcast, where we discuss all things act two. I'm your host, Sadie Marie. I am so excited to have my guest, Money Maven, Melissa Paul, join us on the podcast today to discuss financial beginnings after a divorce and share some simple steps one can take to make the most of the money she or he has now. Melissa has a degree in finance and has managed multi-million dollar business transactions, but that is not where she developed the principles she teaches. Life offered Melissa the opportunity to navigate the challenges of credit card debt, market crashes, career changes, investment loss, and divorce. Out of need, Melissa developed a simple way to overcome these challenges and now shares her strategies with others. This spring, her book, Worth It, will be released. Melissa Paul, I'm so happy to have you here. So excited to be here, Sadie. It's so fun. It is so fun. I met you at a very vulnerable time in my life. Oh you, my re- you recall? Oh my gosh, this first was coffee together. This was this is this is still one of the most astonishing things. So, I noticed when you sat down. No, you had gotten referred to me through a friend of ours. Yes, a wonderful beautiful friend. Yes. And so I of course think we're going to sit down, we're going to be talking about money. And as soon as you sat down and, and you didn't even go to get a coffee. You just walked in and sat down in that like stunned look on your face. <laughs> And so I'm like sitting there with my notebook and we're, and we're talking. I remember the notebook. I really don't remember much else. I remember your cute haircut and the notebook. And the notebook. Important things. And I realized very quickly that it was like I could almost physically hear the buzzing in your own ears. I was like, she's in great deal of stress. And so I pushed the notebook back and I looked at you and I said, what's the 10 minute sweaty conversation that you need to have in your life? I don't remember that, but I, I, I'm sure you said it to me. And I have no recollection. I asked this to people when they have so much going on, right? What's the clarifying decision? And never has anyone responded so clearly. You looked at me very clearly and said, I need a divorce. And I was like, okay, well, we're not talking about money then today. <laughs> <laughs> Go deal with that. That was the beginning of yes. the divorce fog, which yep. is a real thing. Which is a real thing. A real right. thing. Yes. It's great to be on the other side of that. And for the last couple of years since my divorce, I have basically just followed a really stringent budget. Like I've just been very type A about here's the money that's coming in and here's what you know my bills are and this little bit I can maybe tuck away. So I know that there is a more creative, effective, simpler way to think about my um, money and managing my finances. So I am eager to discuss your philosophy around, you know, your your simple plan and also just these big picture ideas that I've just not, again, been in the headspace to really digest. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I would say a lot of women that specifically that I have dealt with would come forward and automatically have that limiting belief of, I'm terrible with math, I'm not good with numbers, I've never been good at this before. And so that really limits people from even trying something new. And then the, the struggle that so many of us have is we start looking at what the experts say out there, which is to do what you're doing, which is great for people like you that have the tenacity to hang in there and track every single dime. But for- Well, I wasn't always good at it. <laughs> every month I started, all, okay, I'm really going to be on this. I'm totally doing it. Right, right. The same thing. Same right. thing with me, right? Right. But it's, it's a huge amount of data to it track. Is. 
and you have to be comfortable with spreadsheets. So there's a technology learning curve for a lot of people. And I, I say that when people sit down to do a budget, it's, they already have sucked the joy out of the day. It's like doing your taxes. Nobody's like stoked to do it. Correct. Right? You don't go running to the spreadsheet every day. Absolutely. Track and your so, expenses. So expenses. then we do all, we sit down, we go, we have this like great intention. I'm doing it this time because this is important. You know, it's important. We sit down, we do all the things they say, we gather all of this data and then we go to Target. <laughs> And we're like, oh, that darn Target. Love, hate relationship. I mean, and right now we don't even want to be in Target for very long. Right, right. That's that's a benefit of all this. (laughs) Get in, get out. Totally. You don't really meander on Target anymore. Right. But then we start messing up our intentions already because we're shopping for so many different things. And how you can't remember all of that data. So the budget that was crafted with such good intentions lives on your computer at home. Indeed. And then we hope we make good decisions. We get home and then we visit the computer and we go, okay, well, a little much over there. And then we start the shell game of dumping money out of these categories to make it work. And then I I did the same thing that you did. I would get to the end of the month and be like, I'm totally doing a better job next month. And it was over and over and over. And I was like, this is maddening. And I can manage massive spreadsheets and massive amounts of data and huge amounts of responsibility with money. How can I not do this at home? And I felt personally frustrated. And when I went through an early massive life interruption, I couldn't figure any more of that out. And so going back and repeating a behavior that makes us frustrated and that we fail at and having that as our only solution really sends us a whole bunch of garbage into our head. That's when we really start thinking, I actually am bad at math. I am bad at numbers. I'm never going to figure this out. And then there's this thing, because of our culture and our society, we don't talk to anyone else about it. Right. You don't go to a money counselor. Especially as a you know? woman, and right. Gen X woman. I do not feel that I was ever encouraged to discuss financial no. interests with my female peers, right. where I look at my brother, who's two years older than, than I am, and he is all over it. Oh, they talk like, about it all the time. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, got, a new, got a big raise, crushing it. Right. right. But just even just understanding concepts around money market and just different ways to save money that I, how can I be so illiterate around this? That's, you know, totally. and there's that, like, that shame energy, like, oh, I'm just so far behind. How will I ever catch up? Totally, totally. So, and, and I've even talked, I have a- We're going to end that, some of that today, team. Oh my God, absolutely. We have to have these conversations. That's what spurred a lot of my work originally was I got into my 40s and realized I've never talked to another woman my age about investing. And I was like, I've never talked. And then I started that up, that conversation. I've never talked to a woman about this. I'm not, like, we got to change this. Absolutely. We've got to change this. And I started having conversations with other people, specifically just about what are you doing with her money? How do you feel about it? And I ended up interviewing a friend of mine who has always been in good shape with her money. And I said, okay, but let me ask you this. I said, you've certainly sat and had dinner with a girlfriend who's struggling. Can you help her? And she's like, no. I'm like, that's the thing. Even if you can maintain that complicated budget and you stay within your means and you do all the right things... That doesn't mean you necessarily can teach your kids. It doesn't mean you can explain it to someone. And I think particularly with our part two, our act two that you're talking about, we start moving to where we're going to be in a second relationship or third or wherever we're at in our life with another person where we're talking about money. We need to have a common language. One in three couples cite money as a significant cause of stress in their relationship. That's a lot. And it's a leading cause of stress among individuals. So those things together... Than not having a plan that's simple. It's like we can set ourselves up 
really poorly. And so I started seeing women coming to my workshops that wanted, they were engaged, they'd been divorced, and now they're like, I can't do that again. I can't do that again. And you can work your money out on your own. You're doing just fine. But how do you explain it? We, we can run into a bunch of other problems there. So simplifying things becomes really, really critical, just for a bunch of different reasons. But that one too, shared language so you can understand where you're going with things, really, it's so helpful. It's so helpful. And it's not that complicated. That's the thing. It's very simple. We can make it really easy. Okay. Well, we are ready for an easy, effective, flexible day-to-day plan that can help us make the most of the money we have now. Absolutely. We're all ears, Melissa. We're leaning in. Absolutely. So when I started implementing some of the early forms of the system that I teach now that I call unbudgeting, it completely transformed things. It took a a ton of pressure off things. And I'll explain it real quickly because I want people to have like an impression. And, And here's the thing that I get excited about. It's been reflected back to me by a lot of people, particularly women, that this way is a visual way to understand our money. Love that. And it's so I'm a very visual person, obviously. Right? I th- you know that about me. Absolutely. So this, a visual plan is exciting. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that a lot of women are more visual. And if you look at the way that we're taught about this, and first of all, we're not taught about money to begin with in general. But if we have anything, it's very spreadsheet and data oriented, which can set up a lot of people to fail. So I want to tell you a quick story about yes. how statistics. So, so many people that would come to my workshops would still be on their own islands thinking I'm the only one that struggles with this. And all these other people around me must really have this figured out. And I would tell people right away that uh, the first two clients that I worked with were MBAs that came from money. Like this doesn't get passed down through wealthy families necessarily. And this doesn't get taught in business school. And they're like, I can't believe it. They thought I'm an artist and that's why, or I'm a this and that's why I don't know this. And I spoke to an audience of, it was, it was about probably 100, 125 women in the room. And I thought, oh my gosh, we have, the, we have a statistically relevant audience here. I'm going to ask some questions. And I said, of everyone that is here, how many of you were taught how to manage your money while you were growing up? And three people raised like, their hands. Crickets. Right? Three. <laughs> and, and I was like. That is just, that's another whole podcast. But keep going. <laughs> I was like, that's keep amazing. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so of these three people that were fortunate to have their parents or somebody in their family teach them how to manage their money, of you three, how many of you are managing your money the way you were taught? And all the hands went down. Wow. And I said, so of over 100 of us in the room zero of us were taught how to do this and are managing it the way we were taught. And I said this, it's look around. And people are like, what? I thought, of course, all these successful people that I'm sitting next to, they must have it figured out. I'm like, no, we learn about trigonometry, but we don't learn what to do with our first paycheck. It makes me crazy. <laughs> it makes me crazy. And I was never good at trigonometry. Right? Exactly. I don't, I have two brothers that are engineers that are like, it's great. I'm like, I don't use it. Trust me. I've never needed it. <laughs> I'd be fine without it, but I've managed my money every day. So with that, I'm going to go through real quickly and then, because I want you to have the visual in your head. So of those categories, I want you to think about these as categories and also priorities. So the first priority and category that I talk about is you. And this is my big one. It's the biggest, 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 biggest. And you hear this from other experts. They talk about pay yourself first and all of that. I think of it almost as a a sacred shift we need to do in the way that we look at how the money is something that's moving in and out of our life. And if we don't honor ourselves in that movement of energy in and out of our life, what exactly are we 
pushing out there. What are we repeating and duplicating to ourselves? I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. I'm not even worthy of keeping anything. The irony is I we're made. the ones that's we're earning right. the money. That's right. the, the irony in that. Yeah. We are the gate. We're the ones that make that decision. And I realized that when you don't honor that in your money, you feel it. There's something that's nagging at the back of your mind. You might be able to push it off because of reason, right? And there's certainly times in our lives where you've got less to work with, right? But we need to constantly be aware of what we're starving when we're starving it, right? Otherwise, you can do the diet where you don't have any sugar, no, no sugar, no sugar, no sugar. And then there's that one day when the like, kid's birthday party with the cake and you're like, I'm having some freaking cake. <laughs> and right? licking the plate. Exactly, right. exactly. Right. So we feast or famine in right. that and we don't want that. So the first category is you. And I want you to picture it as a bucket, like really picture it as an actual bucket. So we're going to talk about that. That's my most important category. And it's the biggest thing that drives me is me advocating for people to put themselves in their money. The second thing, the second category and bucket is fun. And this is where I go like a hard laugh off, off all the other <laughs> systems out there. And I realized this, and I actually was just doing some reading on how our brains actually work. We can't hold on to a goal if we, we think it's moving us towards pain. Absolutely. And if you put no fun in the stuff, it's, that's how budgeting felt. I was like, all right, I'm just going to try harder next month. I'm like, no, you're not. Your brain is like, I will not let you hang on to that because it's going to cause us more pain. We're going to go do more fun. And so it's basic it, psychology, but we never, totally, we never really no. attach it to these things like diets and finances. Right, right. Because make it fun, make it yeah. exciting, make it magical. Make use, it magical. Use that word. I love to have you use that word magical around absolutely, money. Absolutely, absolutely. So fun is, is like second to you, fun is super important in this. And I want you to picture that as another bucket. The third bucket, I broadened and created one that was a little more general called burning goals. And this, oftentimes people will want to start with paying off debt or saving for a house or kids' education or something. There's something in there. What happens if you don't have a general category that can kind of line up those goals and you can have a way to fund them over time is you're picking that goal versus you, versus your fun. Everything becomes a debate. The money goes here or here, here or here, here or here. And then, then we get into those open loops. There's a whole bunch of decisions to make. Where burning goals then is a bucket where you know that's where you're going to fund those things. It also does not allow you to achieve your goals at the sacrifice of you and the sacrifice of your fun. You can short-term do something without having fun. Like when I was saving for my very first condo, I had a few months where I was like, I'm just putting everything into that fun. You know what? That's okay because there was a sense of fun in my satisfaction, right? I'm able to delay that. But if I was saving for my retirement, I'm not going to be able to forever put fun on hold. So we want to keep all of those things in. You don't take your burning goals and kick all the rest out. So we don't do lumpy goals. We have that. So that other category, the burning goals bucket is really important. And the last one is operating, which is just our regular bills. That's how we keep the lights on, keep everybody fed, pay the insurance, put the gas in the car. It also can include debt. Debt doesn't have to be a burning goal. My mortgage is not a burning goal. It's fine. The terms are fine. When I had a car loan, I felt the same way. It was like, the terms are fine. That can come out of my regular operating account. If you have something that you want to really 
move towards aggressively, you want to create more speed in it, then you pull it out of that operating, that slush fund, and create a bucket, a category on its own. So there's really two components that I teach is those categories. And the second thing we'll go into, which is percentages. We keep it at percentages because they're flexible. They're very, we want simple math, really, really, really simple math. We don't do anything that's complicated that requires a bunch of, again, spreadsheets and all that. So of those categories, so you've got you, fun, burning goals, and then operating. So when you receive money, I recommend for people that are starting, this feels right, 10% goes to you, 10% goes to fun, 20% to burning goals, and the remaining 60% to your bills. Money comes in, you drop it in those things. The first goal of the you category is an emergency fund. We want to create some stability so that every time we open up our accounts, we feel better, and we also can take care of problems over time, right? We want to have something there. So the one-two punch with the U fund is we start off with an emergency fund, and then once you hit that goal beyond that, that becomes where you do your long-term investing. That becomes the sacred. Every time you receive money, it goes out. And what happens with percentages is then it removes the decision-making. If you get a $100 check from your aunt on your birthday. Normally, we're probably either going to just spend it or maybe just put it all in one account. But with percentages, you, you can just apply the formula and not feel like, well, I'm only depositing $10. It doesn't matter. It's the consistency of action in that. There is something that almost seems mystical that happens when you consistently over time apply that formula. Because I think it really is you're telling yourself over and over, you're worth it, you're worth it, you're worth it, your fun is worth it, your goals are worth it. And these all are going to get accomplished over time in a very balanced, healthy way so that you can have all of the things. So question I have for you. No, I want to hear this. Okay. So I freelance. I'm a business owner. And so my income fluctuates. And Um, I know a lot of Lumpy cash flow, lumpy cash flow. I know a lot of business owners. So, Mm -hmm. so I love this idea. Yep. Right. Yep. But for me, every month it, it is, you know, it varies. Yeah. And so do you have any, any thoughts on we self-employed humans who don't have those every two weeks know what we're getting from our employer? I I deal with this personally also. I'd love you to tag on It's totally, it's the biggest thing is, um, and first of all, we can look at it a couple different directions. Over the course of a year, it's still going to be the, like the numbers are still the same, right? 10% is still 10%. So this is something we can have in our minds that we're driving towards. Now, what I say to people that uh, are freelancing, have been freelancing for quite some time, and there's some predictability in your income, is if you take a look over the last year and you figure out were there times where you had this is where more money was coming in. This is less. We want to figure out kind of an average running rate and then figure out where did you typically have shortfalls? I worked with a woman and it was, she had been doing this system with her money, having fantastic success, but she was stuck with this lumpy cash flow issue. And we sat down and we mapped everything out and looked at it and realized that it was really only that she would occasionally have like a few thousand dollar gap. And I said, if you have that amount of money that's set aside as the extra that you need, it's, it's, going, to a, it's going to a place for your own 0% loan to yourself. 
And I said, if you get to the point where you can save that extra amount, it covers that gap that you'll, there's a little bit of padding that you can have. You can scoop into it when you need it. And then you put it back when you have extra. Sure. And so it took her from a place where she felt like, I just don't understand. I have these good years. I look at the end of my year and I had good numbers, but I never felt like I had good numbers. And I said, well, it's because- Because the money was gone. Because the money was gone and it it would show up like she had like one month where it was, you know, she was getting this other contract and, and she could start seeing it. I said, you need to smooth that out. So you just need to figure out kind of your run rate so that when you have money coming in, it's not the money you immediately need to spend. We want to get just a little bit ahead of things. And that smooths out that lumpy nature so that you're, you're adding to a fund that you're in the future going to be taking from, right? you got to almost set aside a couple months of your own salary is what you move towards. So she left with that plan knowing it wasn't going to work right now. You wouldn't be able to do it right now. You can't jump into it and do it because you need a little patty. You need to prime the pump. Baby need, step it. Absolutely. You need to get a little bit of money in those accounts. And, but over time, as you get that money and then it smooths it out. And she, cause I had said to her, you might even look at like a line of credit. She'd had her business long enough and, you know, look at debt is a tool that can be really wise. Um, instead of doing things like business owners do with like selling your accounts receivable and then you lose money on that deal and all of that. Um, she was able to very quickly then have that, okay, now I have a goal. I want to save that extra like $3,500 to have as a business savings account that takes off the lumpy nature of things. And it smoothed everything out for her with a very small amount of money. I think we often, we get overwhelmed. We don't even want to dig into the topic. It's like, oh my God, and see, and this is just another sign. I can't figure this out. And it was really a very simple thing once she once we got into it and looked at it through that that lens. But when I started with this, I created these buckets, and then I thought, well, I can't afford this. Like, right. was absolutely my I first I know when thing. you talked about this before the show, I was mm-hmm. preparing for the show, and you talked about the 10% for me. Mm-hmm. And right now, I have 5%, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, how do I get to 10? But here's the deal. The, okay, I want to acknowledge, because when we first talked about this, and you you were, you were keep everything to a T, the, the risk in that is you're at the very end, you're right. the last, right? This is the mom And I literally eating. am on my list of expenses. Right. I am the last thing on the list. Right, right. This is terrible. And it's, but it's a mom thing and it's a woman thing. It's a, we'll take care of everybody else and we'll have the last slice of cold pizza. Does anybody else want this? No, no, no. <laughs> so okay, true. right? So we don't want your you fun to be the cold pizza. You want it to be what you want and you take that first. Now, sometimes at the beginning when I was doing this, I was getting that emergency fund balance up and then sometimes I needed to borrow from it. I needed to scoop that money out the next week. But over time, I stopped having to always go back to it and you start making better decisions. And just knowing, I mean, I I say to people, when you have these buckets in your head and you think about, well, what would go in them? When you go out and you're thinking about making a purchasing decision, if you can pause right then and know what category it comes out of, you've already won the day. It's so important. And people don't, because it's easy to get there. I can guide them. They go, oh, yeah. Yeah, but you, do, you couldn't do that. For like the last 30 years of your life, it was overwhelming to make those decisions. And you don't know if you're making a good decision or not. This allows us to know in the moment, do I have money in that bucket? Check. Oh, I do. Okay, then I can buy the thing. It allows us to make good decisions on the fly, which is really, really huge. It also, in your situation, when you were 
manage your money through a traditional budget. And a lot of people, it's super if it works. But if the you category isn't represented, there's something that's starving. You're poaching from yourself somewhere. And this gives people a tool to look at. It's like a stress test. You can look at, you looked at your money. Where, where'd you come in with fun? Oh, I actually spend money on fun, Melissa. See, that's good. I believe in fun. That's good. That's good. What'd you, what'd you come in at? Did you, did you tell uh, me? It was, it was a little more than 10%. Okay. Now, here's the interesting thing. When I went back, so I took uh, a year of my financials after I had been practicing my money this way. I added the fun category after a few years. I didn't have it originally in my, in my system. And then I had paid off the debt I wanted and the goals. And then I wanted to buy something that was kind of expensive. And I couldn't get myself to give myself permission. And I was like, what's going on? And I was like, you need to actually give yourself permission. And I, when I started adding that 10% fun for myself, I thought, well, what was I spending before? And I went back and I took a whole year of my numbers and I coded them. And I was at about 10%, but I felt guilty. Uh-huh. And that, that shift. The, made shift. the shift. With the fun account, you give yourself permission. I don't care what you spend it on. It's your sacred account. And I say for couples, they each have their own so that you don't get in those fights of your value is this. And so you don't want me to spend money on that because you don't like coach purchase or whatever it is, right? And then it's oftentimes with couples, it's whoever has the most domineering personality. Right. Right. Is the one that works. So with when the When you're fun, divorced, you don't have to worry about any totally. of that. You just could have your fun bucket. Absolutely. It's your sacred bucket. <laughs> and you're going to have fun. And that's the thing is the most fun that I hear is like people, it's like, I bought the candles that I wanted. No guilt. I'm like, get the guilt out. It does not help us make good decisions. So you were close. So that's good. That's good. So you're investing more in fun than in yourself. Does that feel right? You know, I'd like to see more balance, but I, I'm glad that I, I do value that I want to do things that bring me some joy and levity with myself and my friends and my family and, and all of that. So that felt good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not holding back on the fun. So that no. felt good, Melissa. No, it's good. And it's, it's a good tool. to. It's like a stress test for it. You look at it and you go, where did I come in at? You know, it's, it's getting on the scale and figuring out. What of my values that I should be? What of those healthy boundaries are not being honored in my money right now? And you can look at it that way. So it's working the way you're managing your money. And you also know where you want to move towards. You need to start pulling you into the equation more, which is not a surprise for most women. I would say almost all of us looked at that and said, I need to put more of me into this equation. As a divorced woman, and I, I, I'm not going to generalize here, but I will say, obviously, when I got divorced, my income changed dramatically. Yeah. And I think that historically that women, when they leave a marriage, there Mm -hmm. is a theme there. So looking at your plan, like I love the plan, Mm -hmm. but talking about ways that if, if, if I'm in a situation where I, I might not have, like, this is where I need you to talk to me and, and maybe that will help other people. But the, the quote luxury, I don't have the quote luxury to invest into me because I have to pay all these bills. And I think that is just so ingrained in my mind like I have to, I'm I'm responsible I can't you know invest into me when I have to pay this and this and this and this because this is the money that I have so yeah. how, how do I how do you get around that does that my question make sense yeah no it absolutely does it absolutely does and and there are two things I mean certainly there's there's reality there's reality of of a COVID economy and the times that we're in, and that a lot of us have had some significant interruption. So there's, there's reality into where we are at right now. And sometimes you have got all, all hands on deck, right? You have to use a higher portion of what you have coming in. 
But what is important is that you know what you're sacrificing in those decisions. Because what will happen is we will, and I will say this, parents especially, will spend that extra 10% on their kids and not put it towards them. And the extra 10% that you're spending on the kids is probably not adding a tremendous amount of value. It's a bunch of stuff. I mean, I had a, I had a woman, she was, I can't do this, there's no way. And I knew her personally, I knew there were some massive blocks around investing in herself, but it was, no way, I don't have the money, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then she paused and she said, and I also know I waste 10% of my money every month. We go out to eat, and then we don't do this as much anymore because we're more limited, but we would go out to eat when we're too tired to, to cook. We, we do this thing, and we just buy the thing to just, you know, we do it mindlessly. And if you bring intention now into your money and you're thinking, I'm moving in this direction because Sadie's important, and future Sadie is important, that's who we're investing for our future selves also. Our emergency fund is for us now. Our future selves are who we're taking care of. And so bringing that intention, knowing that you're going forward towards that, you need to, you're okay where you're at. This is the thing I say to people, don't feel bad about where you're at right now. We're at, where we're at, we're at where we're at. So many things in our lives, like we get to a point and I'm like, well, that was a total surprise. I never saw this coming. And here we are. So know where you're at and that's okay. Don't feel bad about it, but know where you need to go. You need to add you to that. And I say to people, try not to put it at a number because then it starts becoming, um, I think, a burden. Start thinking of it as that's my sacred account. Tie something joyful to it. Every time you put money in and do it as a percentage because the consistency I think is really important. So you're at 5%, do it at 5% until you start sensing that you could do 6% and then take it up. I'm doing this with my investing right now. I was at a static amount and then I met with a financial advisor. We went through everything and I'm like, I want to crank this up. So I'm adding 1% because you don't really notice that. And then I'm going to hold on to that and, see, and then I'm going to add another one and see if I can, until, I, until it starts going, oh, that's too tight, then I'm going to do that. But I'm honoring myself with that decision versus just more bills and more things that we can fritter away over time. So honoring, what I'm hearing is honoring yourself and having that flexibility, but moving in the direction yeah, where you're absolutely. investing into you. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are things that Find are going to be- Find your starting place. Yeah. There's an interruption. I mean, there's, you know, some people get through a divorce and they have, they have a chunk of money and it's like, oh, uh, okay, but I don't have any more coming in and I don't have this and, and my career has had to change and I don't know. There's this time that sometimes needs to happen. We don't have to do this all at once, but knowing that you're going to move towards it and knowing that you have a plan. I mean, I say to people, if you look at what this plan does, it's always voting for you. It's always voting for fun. It's always moving you to achieve your burning goals and it takes care of your bills along the oh, way. Oh, that just feels so good. Right? Right? And it's fun to manage because it's easy so that people get really excited about it. And I've had people like, I can't, I hate it. I do it. And then they'll get emails like, I, I actually have fun doing this. I, I don't even <laughs> want to tell anyone because they think I'm weird. I'm like, I know it's fun. I'm so happy for you. So Think of that, like move towards it. And every time you take action, I think oftentimes when it's the opposite where if there's 50 bucks left, if the slice of cold pizza is not called for, then you can put that in your savings account. Like it's just bad energy. It doesn't even sound good, right? Like 
No, it's not appetizing. No, you're not feeding future Sadie with a cold pizza. We want her to have the hot pizza. The or warm, whatever. hot slice. Exactly, exactly. So once you start doing that, it does flip it around in your head. You're paying yourself first. You're honoring yourself first. I'm setting some money aside for fun, and I'm taking care of my obligations and accomplishing my goals along the way. I think it's it's more balanced approach to things. So shifting that mindset, major. Oh, huge, huge. Now we'll get to talk about mindset. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> this is the magical sauce. This is. I, I said to you, and it, it's true, is, is it, it, the 80-20 rule here is totally, totally applicable, except it's more powerful. But 80% of our mindset will impact our money. 20% is plan. It's really tactical. But the great thing about money is that it's a means to get to everything that we want in our lives. And when we don't have it figured out, it is that boulder that stays in the way. We can't get to the hobby that we really want to invest in and grow with. We can't get to all those other things we want to do if we don't have a way that we can understand our money is going to give it to us. So having this solid plan in place that's easy, it's effective, it's flexible, it's fun, removes that boulder. So we don't have to think about that anymore. So then we can start focusing on the speed that we put money into that plan, right? That's where mindset comes in. Because you've got, you don't need to talk to your money and make up with it. Your money doesn't care. It's just numbers. It's basic. It can feel more complicated in our heads, but they're just numbers. And most people, I say this over and over in my workshops, like they're just money. We get all excited. We get amped up and anxious. I'm like, they're just numbers. Super, super simple numbers. And the good thing about numbers and simple math is that when you change what you're doing to it, the outcome immediately changes. It's not like weight loss where we have to weigh. It's not like relationships where you can change and the outcome might not even change. This is reliable, it's duplicatable, consistent, consistent. it's predictable, and the very cool Sounds thing- Sounds like a great relationship, actually. Exactly, or boring, but we want something reliable, <laughs> right? Take, we want a really I'll, good friend I'll like this. consistent, reliable <laughs> Exactly, exactly, exactly. So you get these outcomes, and what happens in people's lives is this has been a boulder in their flow of good for so long, they're used to having it there. And then they start getting predictable outcomes, they get reliable results, they start making better decisions, they start feeling better about other things. And once you start feeling better about it, it the good gets better. It just starts really spiraling. The good gets better. I'm going to write that down. Absolutely. It's so wonderful. And you don't have to have something complicated in place. I say to people, you don't have to go to therapy with your money. Like, it's going to love you. It's looking for a good master. And once you have some structure in place and you start, you stop blaming the money for the problem, then you can get into a better state of flow. And what I realized as I was working with people is I was thinking, okay, you got the plan in place. Like, go forth and prosper, right? Like, go just kick ass with this. And I was getting some feedback from people that, that they were running into, and I refer to this as the organic broccoli shame spiral, <laughs> is like, I had a friend that was sharing with me, you know, she's on the plan, she's doing great with her money, she's feeling really good, and she's like, and then I pick up the organic broccoli, and the voices start. And I'm like, I'm like, that's your mother, it's not you. It's, you know, we start dealing with this mindset issue, and it can still hem us up, even though we're applying the same principles in our money, and we're doing well, and we're making progress, and all of that, you can make it a lot easier when you start working on the mindset piece. And those things, when you start peeling those back, you get like a 10x almost impact. 
on all sorts of areas of your life. But guilt, shame, worry, family history. Those are the four areas. We project a lot onto money. Oh my God. We, it, it's, it's totally, we like take so much out on our money. And I've started to really start digging into this, thinking about so many of the decisions that we make about our money are based on some garbage that we got when we were three or four years old. Something that is, is totally not our stuff, but we keep carrying it. And then if we don't know better, we're going to pass it on. And, you know, we, we don't know how to do this. And I, I started noticing that, okay, so that's my mother's issue. And that actually came from my grandmother. And, like, where did it originally come from? And why do we still have it? We are going to keep having it until you start looking at it. Now, the good thing about money is you can have good results with crappy mindset. But if you have a really good mindset and good results, you're going you're gonna to just do so much better. And the greatest opportunity in this is for people like you that are business owners. Because when we're hemmed up as a business owner, we can't come up with our new ideas. We're not thinking about the next product launch or how we're going to create that. We need capacity for right. creativity. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. It's where all of our wealth is going to be generated. All of our great ideas, all of our freedom, all of our, all of our soul nourishing activities. And if we give away that energy and what I have found in my life and what I've seen is creativity is like the most sensitive energy we have. And as soon as we're stressed, it's like, it disappears. The brain fog that you talked about, like how creative did you feel when you were in that time? I, I was not focused on my creativity. Right? Like we can't, we can't get to it. We can't get to it. And so unfortunately, I think money, those patterns, those old patterns that you maybe inherited from your mom or dad or so, somewhere along the line, we can bring those back and that's going to suck away that creativity that we need. That's going to solve the very problem that we're stressed about. So looking at it and looking through that lens, and I've said to people that you don't have to even dig out and root out all of this stuff because that can require some, some work, some thinking, some reflection, but acknowledging it, you know, like me saying to my friend, the organic broccoli shame spiral is not about you. That's about your mom. <laughs> she doesn't pay for organic broccoli. You do. And then you say to yourself, it's in the plan. This is covered. We're on track. You just soothe yourself, right? Yes, we I was do just going to say that soothing energy that I've got this. I'm doing this. This is working out for me. I'm baby yes. stepping my way towards yes. financial freedom. Whatever yes. that looks like for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or joy around money. Yes. I invest in organic broccoli because I invest in my body. My plan is working. I say to people, if you want, you want like a, you want a, a, power tip that the that will change your mindset probably more profoundly than anything else is stop using the word spend and swap it for invest fantastic invest invest because investing doesn't have to mean going into your mutual fund or into your Roth IRA into that it can be I'm investing in a massage because I'm investing in my self-care it's a very different thing that I'm splurging I don't like that word at all I'm investing in those things I'm investing in getting takeout because I want more time with my kids tonight. I'm investing in this. It makes you more mindful about how you are looking at your money. Which, and feeling about it. And feeling about it. And then you will make better decisions. So if you start with this plan, which I hope you can have as a visual, so you're, you're paying yourself first or you're, you're honoring that sacred account with you, you're honoring your fun, you're honoring your burning goals, and you're taking care of all your bills along the way. Doing that, moving forward always, 
And then thinking about how you're investing in your well-being is, it'll change everything. It'll change everything. And the better your results will get, the better your results will get. Well, this has been so fantastic to connect with you about this simple, flexible, unbudgeting. 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 I love that. I'm going to go unbudget when I get home. Right, right. You won't have to. It'll take a moment. Melissa, how can our guests learn more about your services and this fantastic book yeah, that you yeah. have on the horizon? Yeah, Worth It's going to come out this spring, and um, it'll teach uh, the full system on how to manage your money without budgeting, and it will also talk about these uh, hacks for mindset. And uh, you can find out information at my website, melissapaul.com. That's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-P-A-H-L.com. You mentioned before the show that you would have a PDF that I could pass along to our guests, can you talk more about what that would entail? Yeah, I'll, I'm putting together a PDF that'll have the visual that we talked about with those actual buckets and some action items, some suggestions on how to take it, implement it, and get going on their plan right now. And they can print it off and they Absolutely. can put it somewhere they can see it every day. I think that's so helpful to have that visual reminder. Yes, yes. Keeps us on track. Yep. So yep. if you're interested in that PDF, just email me at sadie at divorcedandhappy.net. Again, that's Sadie, S-A-D-I-E, at divorcedandhappy.net. Please be sure to also follow, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can also follow Sadie's Divorced and Happy on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to visit us on divorcedandhappy.net. We're wishing everyone listening so much positivity and empowerment around their financial beginning after their divorce. You have got this. You're doing this. You're worth it. You're worth it. You've got the tools. We're excited for you. Have fun. Have fun. Invest in yourself. Absolutely. Again, I'm your host, Sadie Marie, and I cannot wait to connect with you on the next podcast episode. Until then, you take good care.